Hey everybody, welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I am your host, Jay Williams, and joining me today is a very special guest, Christoph Katzbeck. Hi, Christoph. Hi, Jay. It's nice to uh, be on the podcast with you. It's been a long time. It has been a long time. Yeah, the last the last couple of times I've been on the podcast have been with Jeff. Um, oh. And so, yeah, it's usually when, when you, and, you and Robbie are out of the office, and so Jeff and I have gotten to do the podcast the last couple of times. I, I think it's it's literally been like, Maybe half a year or so, maybe even longer. Are you saying you've been benched? Or I feel I, I okay. mean, I should. Well, I mean, you know the the critics' reviews were you know. Oh, well, they just uh, the write up in Pod Faith Podcast Monthly. They wanted to keep like us at a crit- certain level. They didn't want us yeah. to elevate to a, a certain status. Well, I think they also. I think Jeff gets nervous if you and I are doing the podcast together because he's worried about you. <laughs> oh, he's worried about me. I think he's worried about you. I think Jeff. Jeff would That's prefer. Fair. Yeah. So, but I've promised to be very nice today. Okay. I mean, I guess I'm, we'll let we'll see what the finished product. Yeah. Shows. Right. Well, I guess we'll. Yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll figure that out. <laughs> yeah. It, All right. I. It's, if people don't realize that I do, I do like awkward. I like awkward moments, and right, you yeah. are one of my favorite people to make feel awkward because you just you play it so well. Well, I think I mean, thank you. I guess I don't know no. what that means. I, I'm going to be honest. I don't with either. You. That that feels. All I know is that when I when I try to make Jeff feel awkward, he is he he doesn't go with it. Jeff Jeff well, is Jeff immune. is just like Mister Cool. Like yeah. he just he's so. I, that's okay i see now he's just he's immune you, to it yeah. like he just kind of just just smiles and whatever and robbie i can do it to robbie but it, but robbie is just different too but you um i am a uh i i am i'm just a a, a ball of volatile reaction it, waiting yeah it makes you nervous and i and i like that and uh jeff that makes jeff uncomfortable he's very protective of you he is he is i appreciate that yeah about jeff too. yeah yeah thanks so you. anyway we're gonna we're gonna try to do this and we have to, and it's weird that you and I are doing the podcast because we didn't preach. Neither one ne- of us preached. Neither one of us preached. Yeah. Jeff preached this yeah. past Sunday on uh, Acts chapter four, and man, what a, what a great message! It was. He did throw me under the bus at the beginning, though. So I feel like that needs to be mentioned by did he? saying, "Yes, didn't you? Were, did you not pay attention to anything? This is not. I paid attention right to week, some. So, I paid okay. attention to some. To some. Yeah, <laughs> that's great." How did, how did uh, you too you? can hey for everyone listening you too can co-host a podcast just listen to some of the sermon and then you can speak about exactly. it exactly um, <laughs> no he threw me under the bus by pointing out that it was daylight savings time oh okay yeah 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 so if people don't realize i i don't remember what happened last year robbie preached on that weekend mm-hmm. and in it he pointed out that he had preached i don't know it was like two or three in a row on that sunday and I had no idea. Like, this is not planned. I, like most people, am now in the digital age with phones and everything. You just don't really pay attention right. to it. Yeah. I bet there I bet there are some people who did not even know that it was daylight savings time, even after they got up and got around, because their phone just changes in the middle right. of the night. And if you don't have a bunch of clocks around your house, you don't notice it. And um, I there have definitely been days where, uh, times where now that, that I don't realize it until I look at the microwave and I'm like, what's wrong with the microwave? And like, Oh, we had a time change. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, so because of that, it became Robbie kind of wondered, Oh, is this actually planned? It was not planned. So then this year, again, totally unbeknownst to anyone, nobody was thinking about it at all. And like on Wednesday or Thursday, somebody mentioned, Oh, it's daylight savings time this weekend. I was like, Oh yeah, we spring forward. Oh yeah. Jeff's preaching. 
and Jeff's going like, "What's the deal, man? Did you like so? It's not intentional. No, but it is nice. Maybe a little. Maybe no, a little intentional. Each time that's happened, it I say, "Man, I did not plan that, but that is an excellent idea. I should definitely plan that because yeah, well. losing an hour of sleep on that is not fun. Can't wait to hear this joke again." next year and to uh talk about it on the podcast I, again. well year, so. now i feel like man i'm i'm putting it in my calendar i'm gonna yeah. now i'm gonna have to keep that ball rolling so so anyways i to to actually you know get us back into yes, the sermon i, I was job. uh thank you that's uh, the other reason i think jeff doesn't want you hosting the podcast with me because he doesn't think you can control me I'll, I'm going to rein you in. Okay. Here we go. We're going to do it. Well, Jeff kind of kicked off the uh, the message. And one of the things that I have loved about this sermon series so far is that uh, it's been kind of an intentional point of, of bringing out the narrative and kind of trying to put us into what was going on in Acts. And so this passage, it was Acts 4, starting in verse 32. And, it, he, and Jeff specifically pointed out how it said the full number of those who believed were of one heart, one soul, and uh, they, they had all things in common. And he pointed out this number would have been thousands and thousands of people. We're not talking just like the 12 disciples. We're talking the thousands and thousands who, who heard. And that, that's incredible. Yeah, I, I just sat there. And one of the things I really appreciated about Jeff and always appreciate about Jeff is he has a way of just making you stop and kind of immerse yourself in the text and, and like think about it. So he made the comment of like, don't just skip so quickly to application of what does it mean or what does it not mean or what am I afraid it means, which um, we tend to do, but just to sit there in it. And when he said that, I just sat there and I thought about 10,000 people and how this passage describes how they were living. Yeah. I mean, I have a hard time. I'll I'll be totally transparent. I I feel like I have a hard time doing this with the single to double digits of people within my influence, let alone... Yeah. thousands of people living this way. Yeah, and and what struck me about it was that this is I mean, we don't know how long this is, but you know maybe weeks, maybe maybe days, like we don't really know how long between those times. Right. Um but it's not long. And and how the unity that the spirit brings, like how supernatural. We we look often at acts and look at the miracles and the signs and wonders. Um but not only is it a sign and a wonder that these people are living these supernatural, radical lives, lives of radical generosity and radical unity, but that they are all doing it at the same time. There's no leadership. There's no human leadership. There's no church campaign. There's no like ministry team or committees. There are no logos or mission statements or, um, you know, eight-week sermon series to unveil like how we're going to live. Yeah, right. They all just do this. They all just radically live in this way that is totally countercultural to the way they had been living. That is a miracle. Yeah. Like that is that is a more astounding miracle than even seeing a lame man get up and walk. How in the world, can you imagine if all of a sudden... Like, just think of, you know, think of Marinette, the entire town of Marinette, just overnight, all of a sudden, living in a completely different way. Just complete unity. Complete unity. Like, so they're all living in a totally different way and all alike one another. Yeah. It's it's mind-boggling. And I think, for me, that makes me just think, again, as we see in Acts over and over again, like, how 
how easy it is to undervalue and underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, absolutely. And in you know, it's funny you even mentioned how how, how Jeff had um, positioned this to say, don't don't immediately think of these things and think then of what this means for us on a practical application level. Because even as you're saying this, like even as you're you're talking about all of this, I'm thinking. I'm thinking of all the places where, where I'm failing in it. I'm thinking of right. all the places, like all the implications. And I, I think just to sit back, like you were saying, and go, what an incredible miracle that, that God orchestrated through these people um, to, to live that way, which, which really is just kind of incredible. I'm thinking, too, of like the different categories of unity that they had. And so we really quickly go to possessions, right? Because it says that no one, right. uh, you know, they had all things in common. But I'm also thinking of how, um, this is just kind of my theology nerd process, but like, I, I would imagine they, they didn't even necessarily have like theological differences or, or belief differences. Like for them, it was just live like, live like Jesus, have all things in common, right. love one another, break bread together. Remember the um, remember Jesus going on the cross, dying for us and raising from the dead and, and living that life. And I, I can't even, you said the town of Marinette and I'm just trying to think of the number of churches in mm. Marinette mm-hmm. and all the different beliefs and yeah. all the different practices and all the different traditions and how that wasn't even a thing for right. them because they were in, they were in unity. They were, they were just living as people who had one, it says one heart and soul. And that was Jesus. Yes, and that's a really critical when you look when you look at church history, what creates disunity is when we start to rely more on our own strength and more power or our own strength, our own power, our own reason above the Holy Spirit. And I this is one of the things you think about what brings unity here. One of the things that we tend to, especially as Baptists from a Baptist background, is we tend to think that unity comes around the belief in in God's word. Well, in a sense, yes, I understand where that comes from, but that has to be spirit-empowered reading and understanding and application of God's word, not in my own mind. So I've heard people say, well, I just think if if we're both reading the same text, if we just both read the same text and we both want we both believe that this is God's word, then we'll have unity. And right. We'll have unity around that. Well, no, because what you just pen- mentioned, like that's always yeah, been I mean, right. churches have split over that because what happens when you disagree? If you again, if you see scripture as a textbook and one that I can understand with my own reasoning, my own eyes, my own like my own flesh. Well, then that's not going to lead to unity. It is dependence on the Holy Spirit in that. And and so I always, um, you know, because to your point, this early church they had not worked out a lot of these doctrinal issues that are still going to be worked out. Right. Right. They hadn't even. I mean, think about this. They hadn't even worked out salvation by grace alone yeah no at this point that's yet to come they still don't know like are we supposed to like obey the law are we not like do we still held to these things do we still have to also be circumcised do we still also have to obey dietary laws do we still they they are still yet to work all of that out but at the beginning what they have is the holy spirit and that and he brings unity right and yeah, and what what you're saying, a lot of 
a lot of these things are yet to come throughout acts right. right a lot of these these things will get instituted things like it's funny you even said that there wasn't even leadership and i was thinking yeah but there was the 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 apostles right but but even then they hadn't talked about deacons or elders they hadn't really talked about right those sort of roles they, mm-hmm. they they're they're going to have the jerusalem council where they talk about what does it look like for uh the gentiles to to, to come in they're gonna there's there's so much yet to come and i i am it, it, that is really interesting but but right those those things do come and they do and and there's there's an importance to them right because yes uh this this kind of feels to me like one of those this is the goal this is what we strive for but i don't necessarily know if it's what we're going to totally look like now if that makes yeah sense. and so man that's such a great point because this this highlights one of the things that we said at the beginning of this um when we started teaching on acts which is a mistake that people make in in reading acts is to try to apply it as like, well, this is the principle then. So for example, in Acts 2, and it says they met in homes, that there are people who will say, well, therefore we shouldn't have church buildings. Right. That's not the point. The point is what what is actually happening here in the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit to shape and form the church and then how they live because of it. So authority still exists because it says they were devoted to the apostles teaching. So there's still authority. It's not. So yes, there are people who look at passages like this. um, And I've run in those circles and I, and like, there are people who point to that and say, see, there should be no, like all we need is the Holy spirit. And, um, and so we don't, we shouldn't have any other structures. So we shouldn't have church names. We shouldn't have like sermon series. We shouldn't have, we shouldn't have any of those things. Well, that would be, that would be misapplying what's going on here. I think. Um, what, what I think is critical is that you see that the most important part, the foundational piece of this is the Holy Spirit. So I cannot have unity with somebody, no matter how well they know the Bible, no matter how often they go to church, I will never have unity with someone who is not indwelled by the Holy Spirit. Right. And, and we live in a culture where we think that that's like, again, like a bonus thing or no, that's foundational. Yeah, man. Isn't that the truth too? Because I I feel like we fall into the trap of thinking of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and I think it was you that preached on this back in January where we talked about the Holy Spirit. Isn't just some, this like, this like vending machine of just like, um, this, this force, you know, we we think of it like we get the star Wars Holy Spirit and think of it as the force that gives us the ability to like grab things from afar. Um, but, but what the Holy Spirit is, is literally God with us, empowering us to live the way that he has called us to. Mm -hmm. And, uh, just that point that that is, that is all done through the Holy Spirit. And what, what is like the main, the main thing here is just the importance of unity, which it can really feel like that is a bit of a distant thing, especially, um, I, I feel like when you look at social media, you look at, you look at the world, right. You look at, uh, uh, the culture outside of the church. I mean, you even look at the culture a lot of times inside of the church and it feels like unity is the thing that we are the furthest from. And, and so you can read this passage and get really discouraged and go, it is, it, it is so difficult to actually get to that point. Uh, but, but to your point, well, yeah, if, if we're trying to do it in, in, in our power, but, right. but God, right. Right. And Jeff makes a, made a really good point. That's another point that he brought up with these kingdoms clashing, like my kingdom clashes with your kingdom and, you know, all these different kingdoms clash. Well, we also have the religious kingdom. 
yeah. that is not the, also not the kingdom of heaven. So it's easy for us to understand, well, obviously Christoph's kingdom, that's not the kingdom of heaven, and Jay's kingdom, that's not the kingdom of heaven. And so hopefully, you know, as we do life together, we call that out in one another, and then we can take it a step further and know that, like, well, our country is not the kingdom of heaven. But we also have to understand, that, like, our religious kingdoms are not the kingdom of heaven. So whether it's my a certain conference I attend or a camp that I identify with um, or certain principles that I hold to, uh, that is also not God's kingdom. Now, there are ways in which that can reflect God's kingdom, but th- I think that's important because um, even like we where, where we have this disunity again comes back to if i if if i'm not listening to the spirit if i'm listening to my own voice about the conclusions i have reached then when you disagree with me i think you're disagreeing with god like i have fooled myself into thinking that all the conclusions i reach about all the things are god's conclusions right. and so it's really my kingdom that i say is a part of it it's like i put the jesus you know wristband on or t-shirt on and then i just say everything that I do is, is about the kingdom, but it's not. And I need to be mindful of that, but I will always, if I'm, if I'm going to try to develop unity with somebody, look, and there's many, there's so many examples of this man uh, throughout my years of ministry, when someone comes into my office and if they're upset about something or they don't understand something in the church, for example, if they don't feel unified because they don't trust the direction we're going, if that person comes in displaying the fruit of the spirit and clearly listening, like they are submitted to God's kingdom and listening to the Holy spirit. And I'm submitted to God's kingdom and listening to the Holy spirit. Then I am very confident that we will have unity. I'm very confident. Even if we, it doesn't even up, matter the subject, right? No. Like that's the thing is it doesn't, right. th- you don't even need to talk about what the topic is. Like it could be a myriad of exactly. different things. It could be all kinds of things. And, um, because in those moments, it's not about this thing that was done. It's not about this like application of this. It's about what's the heart behind this? What are we desiring? And we might not end that conversation still, you know, agreeing that, um, you know, we should have this service time or do this with the bulletins or do like, we may not agree, you know, fully on that thing, but we will end that conversation in unity. But if I have a conversation with somebody that that is not listening to the spirit and they're just they're hardened to that and and I'm or I'm not like there have been times in my life where I've been so committed to this thing that I'm doing um, that I'm not being soft and listening to the spirit. Well, then those kingdoms are going to clash. Oh, isn't that that's a really I just to like highlight, I think something important you said there is that we can still disagree and be unified. Yeah which I, I think is a really empowering thing because I think oftentimes it's really easy to think of unity as, well, we are going to agree on every single thing. Right. And, and what you That's just not- said is, is actually kind of the opposite of that. As long as we are unified in God, as long as we are unified in, um, in, in, in listening to the Holy Spirit and, and, like you said, being people who are humbly walking, uh, seeking the gifts of the Spirit, seeking to um, just listen to where God's leading us, we could we could disagree and just still love each other and understand the heart and that ultimately you know i that ultimately is what jesus preached right like you see that time and time again throughout jesus's yeah. preaching his his earthly ministry is is he kept going back to you know um 
it's it's not about murder. It's about even being angry because that inside of you is right. stirring up. That's a heart issue. It's not the it, it, it's it's that heart issue. So, anyways, yeah. uh, that just really stood out to me. Yeah, and I and we live in a culture that thinks the conclusions are the things that matter. You know, the position you take on something, not the heart that you approach it with. And the heart is the first thing. So the, again, going back to this idea in Acts, that I'm not saying that. Well, as long as somebody says they listen to the Holy Spirit, well, then I have unity with them, even if we disagree on all all the doctrinal issues or even disagree on, you know, the authority of Scripture, which that can happen. Um, I'm saying that that's the foundational piece. If I don't have that, like, it's it's the idea that Jesus is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. The Holy Spirit is sufficient. So if all we have is the Holy Spirit, that's 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 what we need. And you see that across the globe. And I think... And it makes people uncomfortable, but I think we get in this place where we, we've said, well, as long as we have God's word. No, it's as long as we have God's spirit. Mm-hmm. It's Moses saying, Moses doesn't care. Like His primary thing is not the Ten Commandments. He's saying, if you don't go with us, we can't go. Like If we are not indwelled by the Holy Spirit, then we have no hope. Yeah, I was, I was um, just reading uh, someone who was actually talking about how like even approaching God's word, because there, there might be some who, who hear that and go, whoa, 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 what are you saying? Um, well, I was, I was recently reading somebody who really illuminated the fact that, you know, outside of the Holy Spirit, like even reading scripture is just words on a paper. Right. And I, I think we miss that sometimes. And that's why that's, you know, that's how there are times when scripture ends up getting wielded like a club in, in ways that it was never intended to is because it's being, you know, wielded by by people with earthly passions, earthly desires, and there's not this this Holy Spirit bent. And there's going to be plenty of people who read Scripture and they pull out all sorts of interesting things out of it. But if it's not illuminated by the Holy Spirit, it's it's not. Careful how I say this. Um, it's it. It is God's word. It is God's revelation. But outside right. of being illuminated by the Holy Spirit, it's just it's just words on a paper. Well, yeah, and even more than that, you know, Paul would say it's foolishness. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. So you, so if you read, and, and we see this in the academic world, there are New Testament scholars who t- do not believe in Jesus. And so they read this as like a textbook or like as a, as a literary, you know, just an ancient literature, piece of literature, but it's not good news to them. They don't see it as beautiful. I mean, they might see that like, you know, some of the poetry and all that is beautiful, but they don't, but they don't see the, the content and the, they don't see it as truth and they don't see it as good news. Right. The only way to see it as good news is to be indwelled by the Holy Spirit. And um and so I, yeah, I just I know that when I say things like that then people get nervous so like what just if you just take it at its face value, um like don't forget that the church existed for 1500 years before the Bible was actually printed and gotten into people's hands. You know, like right. we don't it's we, we forget that the Holy God has always been sovereign holding his people together and he has given us a gift of his word. And so we believe in, in this church that God's word is inerrant. We believe it is authoritative. We believe that it is, that is where we go. Like that's where we clearly hear God's voice. God speaks to us is living and active, but how does that work? Well, it's through the spirit. And so we want to make sure, I think that, that we're going back to that foundational, um, yeah, that foundational piece of that, and don't don't skip past. So that goes all the way back to the ten thousand people all of a sudden living that way. That is not because 
you know, Peter and, um, you know, Peter, James, and John quickly got together and, and, well, they pulled together the, the King James version, right? And yeah, and they were they were I mean, just I think handing we it would out. Think, like, yeah. well, the only way you could do that is they have to pull together the curriculum of the century, like <laughs> right. you know, or the, of the millennia, like, and get it into people's hands and have them all. Why go doesn't Crossway just sell that? I mean, come on, right? Exactly. Um, but like, let's just be in awe of the miracle and realize, oh no, it is the Spirit. It's yeah. the Holy Spirit. You know, the example I give most frequently, just to kind of put a bow on that part yeah, of yeah. it, is of that unity, is. Um, you know, I give this example all the time because I think it's the safest one <laughs> of all the ones. It's you a know, wise decision. Um, but like we know we're to care for the poor. Right. And that's a very explicit command in scripture. Nobody, nobody who claims to believe the Bible or to follow Jesus can argue with that. But how we do that is, can be different. And so one person in their desire to see the poor cared for might, um, might believe like the way to do that is through the government, you know, providing stimulus checks or a, a base universal income or something like that. Like they might say, I, you know what, I think that is the best way to go about this. And somebody else might believe, no, that's, that's the worst way. The best way is to invest in a community and kind of like the rising tide floats all boats. And if we make sure that we have safe and, um, you know, well-educated, you know, communities that care about each other, that that will, you know, where we're like seeing businesses do well and all that, then that will help people. Well, you can have those two views. Right. And both of those can be God honoring, but both of those could also be sinful. But the difference is, is it spirit? Like, is, is, is the spirit present? Like, what's the heart behind that? And I'll take the unity between those two people that have those two differing views who indwelled by the Holy Spirit love and want, want to love and care for the poor and see it as like their responsibility to do that. Those two can have real unity. Whereas you might have, you, you, you might reach the same conclusion as somebody else and not actually have unity with them. Yeah. Because if you believe, no, no, we should, we should not do that. We should, um, invest in businesses, you might be looking at somebody that you, you have the same, you reach the same conclusion with them, but their view of that is because, because what's mine is mine. Like people should work for whatever they get. And you know, it's their own fault if they don't have it. Like we'd say, well, man, I, I don't have unity with that. And so, uh, yeah, it is. That's just one example of how you can disagree on the, the conclusion or disagree on the application. Um, but actually have unity in, in, in the spirit. Yeah. I love that. So let's, uh, let's, I mean, let's, let's transition over to, uh, another thing that we, we had talked a little bit before we started hitting record on just a few things that, that stood out. And you were saying that there was one point that Jeff had made, uh, that really stood out to you. And so I'd love to hear you maybe talk a little bit more about why exactly this, uh, stood out to you was, um, you said Jeff had mentioned something about guilt and how guilt, um, it helps bring something up, but it won't necessarily bring about change. Uh, why yeah. did that stand out to you? Oh man, that that was such a great, that was such a great point from Jeff. I, I I'll butcher the quote, um, but what I had written down in my notes was um, guilt. Guilt is good at bringing something up, but not at affecting change. And I think so. When you talk about this, because he had mentioned earlier about the um, how with the Holy Spirit dwelling in them, they had this new possibility of life and new power to live this life. Yeah. So what we see in Acts, 
we tend to look at that and apply it in a sense of, um, and I know it sounds like I'm not answering the question, but I'm, I'm following the you. foundation of the question. Yeah. Let's, um, let's get there. So uh, that you could look at these passages in acts. And what I tend to do is what you had mentioned. Like I tend to immediately look at and say, okay, well, what am I doing? What am I not doing? Well, the first problem with that is I always, almost always am trying to apply this in my own strength. I'm almost always looking at this through the lens of what I feel capable of doing. Could I give that much? Could I sell all that I have? Could I spend that much time with people? Could I do like it's that's that's where my mind goes. Maybe I'm alone. I don't think No, I, I don't think so. I think that's probably pretty common. Right. And and one point that Jeff made that I think is really important, in, and he used the C.S. Lewis quote about winged horses, and I don't know if you if you didn't listen to the sermon, you might. Yeah, he got real narny up there, right? He did, like the you know that it's not about like a horse just learning to jump higher and higher, but it, but you know being empowered by the Holy Spirit is like a horse getting wings, and so there's this new possibility. And so when we look at passages like Acts two or Acts four and see the church, what we should be looking at is saying this is. Not only is this a possibility, but it's a promise. There will come a day that we will live like that completely. It may be in heaven, and we'll be growing towards that in the meantime, but it shouldn't be seen as this weighty burden that's placed on us. It should be seen as like this is actually a possibility of how we can live empowered by empowered by the Spirit. So the foundational question there is, in whose strength am I looking at that? Like, do I look at it and say, well, I could never do that? Or do I look at that and say, oh my goodness, what would that look like to live like that? Like, that is actually possible because the Spirit dwells in me. Um, now, in that process, I, fa- I fall and fail all the time as I do that in my own strength. And so there is an element to which I could read that and say, like, for example, if I feel convicted of not being generous, well, that's going to come with some guilt. Like, oh, I'm not I'm not living up to that. And I love how Jeff did not dismiss the guilt. He didn't quickly just say like, well, just ignore that guilt because Christ has already achieved that for you. And so right. you're, you're free from that. You're free from all that guilt and shame, which in a sense is true. Um, but God still allows us to feel that guilt for a good purpose. And... And so the idea that that guilt is, you know, I'm not the first person to say this. A lot of people have said this, that guilt is the the pain sensor of the conscience. Yeah, right. Like it's feeling pain. It's like it's like when you feel you're like something's wrong in your ankle or in your foot or in your hand. And you, you know that because there's pain there. And so guilt is useful at telling you something is off here. Like the way you are living does not align with the spirit of God in you. That's where the the pain sensor of guilt comes in. But it cannot bring about change. Just like pain in my ankle can't heal my ankle. Yeah, if you if you continue to lean into the pain, right. Th- that's that's silly, right? Nobody would like stick their hand over a, a campfire and right. feel that pain and then go, well, if, as long as I keep my hand here long enough, I won't feel the pain anymore and it'll be fine. Right. Well, no, that's, that's, that's crazy. But we do think that's like the, the phrase, no pain, no gain. <laughs> right. Well, in a sense, yeah. Cause the, the point of that is, well, when you're in pain, when you feel it, when your muscles are tired, when you're, 
well, then you know you're actually working your muscles. Right. But the gain does not come from the pain. The pain is just the messenger of what's happening. Yeah, the pain is telling you something that's happening. And right. I always, I like to, so when, like, when I'm kind of going through this, because guilt is something that I, I, I have to work through with a lot of students because when right. you're a teenager, I feel like you just, you feel, there are, there are some teenagers that just feel the weight of guilt. And, and the question isn't whether um, the guilt is right. It, the, the question is, does it turn into conviction, right? right? Because when it becomes conviction, then it causes you to do something. And for whatever reason, God decided in his infinite knowledge that when he created us, one of the greatest tools he was going to use to get us to move and to do something was was pain, right? Pain is a an incredible right. teacher, just as guilt is an incredible teacher. But if it doesn't cause us to move closer to him, then um, th- then we're not leveraging it or, or leaning into that tension in in the right way. Right, and and the way that we man, this I'm just thinking like this is a whole sermon, um, but pain. If you think about physical pain and what its purpose is. And then how we respond to it. There's so many parallels to how we respond to guilt. So you can just gloss over it. Like you can ignore it and you can just say like, and just live with it. And there are people who do that spiritually. I know people who deal, they, they feel guilty about this. They know they shouldn't live this way or do, but they just have kind of resigned themselves to, well, that's just, that's, that's just who I am. And so I'm going to go through this cycle. I'm going to do this thing over and over again. I'm going to feel guilty about it. And I'm just going to learn to live with this guilt. Um, there's also a way in which we try to numb it by through like self-justification um, where we say like, it's okay. So I, I do this thing. I say this thing. I feel guilty. And it's okay. It's okay that I did that or said that because of X, Y, Z. And so I, I try to justify it and, and numb it. And I would say that's, that's a lot like just, Hey, I feel this pain in my ankle. And some people just kind of go through life saying like, I'm just always going to have this pain. Um, and then there are other people that kind of go through their life with it and they just, I just want the pain to go away. I don't really care what's actually going on. I just give me medication or give me whatever. So I don't feel that pain. And, and, and we, we, we can do that and we try to numb our, our conscience through like self-justification. Right. But there's a way in which like the way it's supposed to work is I feel this pain and then that pain is saying something. It's an indicator that there's some root issue going on. And what I want to deal with is that root issue. And so if I have pain in my ankle because I sprained my ankle and the way to heal that is to rest it or, or, um, ice it or rehab or rehab or like whatever the case is, I'm trying to address the actual thing that's going on. So the pain was, um, useful to draw attention to that. Right. And, and that's what guilt is meant to do. It draws attention to, Oh, this is a problem area. And to your point, it needs to be turned into conviction. Like it, it was meant to point something out in me that now I need to address. But much like once you start rehabbing like your ankle, well, you might take some ibuprofen or you might like ice it so that it doesn't hurt as much because you don't need to keep feeling the pain. You're already, you're addressing it, right? right? Like you're, you're trying to deal with it. And that is how that works. I think a lot of times with guilt with us is that yes, once you feel that guilt, let it draw the attention that it's meant to draw. Like this is something's wrong in my heart, something's wrong in my life. I want to deal with that. And now as I'm dealing with that, I deal with that in the grace of God covered by the cross, knowing that my my ability to work this out is not 
that's not what God's love for me is dependent on, right? Like it's not, I, I'm not working this out to prove to God that like, look, I can be better. It is, I'm trusting Christ in this. I'm, I'm trusting in Christ for the forgiveness of, of my sin in this, but I'm also trusting the power of the Holy Spirit to actually bring about the possibility of bringing about this change in me and being who God has called me to be. Yeah, absolutely. And I I love that. And, I, and as you're saying that, I was just thinking, um, and, and maybe we can start to wrap this up a little bit. But I should. Um, that's I was your just, job, man. I, well, that's, that's what I'm saying. Bring I'm, me in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I was just thinking how to the to the person who who when they feel that pain, when they feel that that guilt, when they they turn towards kind of this num- either numbing of it, or they just kind of ignore it, or they just kind of live life with it. And. I don't. I don't want to come off as harsh on saying this, but I have to go. Well, how how small is your God, when when that's that's the life you live, instead of the person who in their guilt, in their in their shame, goes to God. You know, and Romans one says that to the person who is suffering, there is there's actually hope, and hope doesn't put us to shame. And and I, I think of how how big God is to those who've experienced that healing, um, in in that guilt. You know, and it just to me, it goes. Man, you yeah, you 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 can live in that pain, but your understanding of God, who who your God is, is, is going to be pretty small compared to the God who has who has healed, who has forgiven you, who has who who gives you the power uh, to overcome uh, whatever it is you feel that guilt about. Um, that's where that kind of conviction goes towards. And so I just man, I I think, and to me, I hear that, and I think that, and I go, I, I want to. Not that I in myself can make God any larger or smaller, but I want to in my heart know and understand God as big as he possibly can be and to experience him and to experience the way that he is working in the biggest possible way. Um, and, and anything that gets in the way of my life that isn't allowing me to see God as, as big as he actually is, like I, I want to move away from it. Yeah, and and I think if you realize this comes back to the idea that God is good. Yeah. Like, do you believe that God is good? The guilt, the guilt that we feel is meant for our good. Satan will try to use it for darkness and for evil. So Satan will turn guilt into condemnation, but the Holy Spirit turns guilt into conviction and change. Right. And, and so when we feel that guilt, it should be, it should be a reminder of the possibility and the power of the Holy Spirit. Like Jeff pointed out, that that we should be filled with the possibilities that it will um, that I can change, and that the power is there. That um, and again, the belief in glory that one day that will for sure happen. It's not just a possibility. The possibility is here on Earth that I um, I can be delivered from this addiction. I can be I I can have my desires changed. You know when we talked about applying things in our own strength. Well, that's because I'm looking at it with my own desires. Like the bottom line is a lot of times when we look at a passage like this, we don't want to live like that. Right. Right. So it's not even, it'd be one thing I'd feel like, well, if I really want that, then I believe that God can do that. But God, like through the Holy spirit actually changes our desires. So that's, that, that's a classic thing that will, and this, this is how I'll kind of wrap up as far as like help for people as you're looking at this, when you look at a passage like this, I hope that you're able to see the possibilities of who we can be in Christ and dwell by the Holy Spirit. 
And that when we feel conviction, that we feel guilt that we're not living in a certain way, that that should go to conviction and then turn us right back to the power and the possibility. But not only that, like the guilt isn't always in that I'm not doing it. It's that I don't want to do it. And, and so the prayer, we just encourage people, like if you find yourself, man, I want to live generously like that. I really do. Well, then pray that God would give you opportunities and step out in faith in that. But what happens if you don't want to? Well, then pray like, do you want mm. to want to? Yeah. And do you want to want to want to? Like, go back as far <laughs> right. as you need to go yeah. to say, like, you know, because there have been so many times in my life where I realize, ah, the reason why that's not turning into conviction, the reason why I'm not asking the Holy Spirit to do this in me is because I don't want it. So then I have to ask myself, well, do you want to want it? Mm. Is there a world, like, if you could magically, like, wave a wand and all of a sudden you want to be radically generous, would you want that? Well, if the answer is yes, then okay, pray for that. Right. Pray that God would give you a desire to do that and act in faith accordingly. Um, and so it's just, man, it's just good news all over the place. These are the yeah. possibilities yeah. and the power that we are given uh, by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that same Holy Spirit that took thousands and thousands of people and made them one heart, one soul, having all things in common is the same Holy Spirit that walks with us. Right. I love it. Do you want to wrap it up? You want me to wrap it up? You're supposed to. I, am I? Well, because I'm, because otherwise I go on. That's fair. All right. Well, hey, if if this was a blessing to you, if you have any questions, if you have any comments, any thoughts, you can reach out to us. We would love to hear them. And maybe um, maybe at some point there will be like a Q&A podcast. I don't know. Um, but uh, you can you can reach out to us. You can find us online, faithpeshtigo.com. We are also on Facebook. You can reach us there. Um, and as you go, go in peace. Go in peace.